Welcome everyone to Watch Challenge. On each episode, we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a particular type and then report back the results to each other and you find listeners. My name is Mike Wendt. And I'm Aaron Spears. This episode's challenge is heist films. And one aspect of this topic, Mike, I guess I hadn't thought of when it was just added to our brainstorming list was we tend really try not to spoil a movie for anybody. Right. But I think just by the nature of including it, on this particular episode, like it is going to be a heist movie. <laughs> so yeah. there, there's um, some movies that I don't know, maybe like are secretly a heist movie or maybe the heist part is, I don't know. I'm not going to get into the mechanics of the different heists <laughs> in the movies that I'm going to talk about, because some of that is like the joy of seeing the heist to go down. So I think we'll probably both be trying to be very careful not to like, here's how the heist works and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you, and you know, it, you decrease your uh, level of enjoyment if you watch the movie because you know about yeah. the heist. Yeah, you're right. Because the the enjoyment of of those movies is the execution, the the payoff. You know, usually it's, there's there's always like a good buildup. There's a, you know, the team comes together mm-hmm. and then you're, as an audience member, you're hoping that it come, you know, <laughs> right. that it either works for them or, Maybe if if they're not so great people, you know, you're kind of hoping for the, you know, the the good guy to catch the bad guy uh, or bad guys uh, or or gals, uh, you know, <laughs> that is a good point. There was something I was uh, I wrote a couple of things in my notes. So this is kind of a half baked idea, but in so far as the heist film genre goes, I feel like you're generally, I think most of the time rooting for the main characters to pull off the heist that you've watched them plan. And and like you said, team together and execute and all of that. But heist films by their nature are illegal activities. So we're watching, generally speaking, the traditional bad guys and gals doing the heist, but there has to be some narrative work to get us on their team. Since these are people breaking the law. Yeah. Pull off a heist of some sort. So it's interesting how, like the quote unquote, the system itself needs to be justified to be bad in order for us to be on or a wrong yeah. has to have been committed to get us immediately on the side of the bad people. Yeah. Well, I think that's why, um, you know, so many, so many people are drawn to say the, the mission impossible film series mm-hmm. and the, uh, actually believe it or not, the fast and furious series, which that's like, you know, you could do a whole episode about that that series <laughs> just because of how it started as just about street racers, and then yeah, it became like almost a series of heist films. Um, and dare I say they're pretty damn entertaining. But <laughs> uh, but I think that's yeah. So many people are drawn to the just because you know wealth is uh is one of those things that uh you know eludes a lot of people uh so i think like the the enjoyment of getting to see an underdog yeah underdogs like overcome some system in order to become wealthier or if they're stealing it for a greater good or something mm-hmm. like that i think that's why so many people are are just drawn to these films i think you're right cuz the 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 vast majority of us going to the movies um don't have immediate access to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. So it's kind of one of those like, oh, it's almost like winning the lottery. Like, um, yeah, I want to see how they uh, how they end up pulling this thing off. Yeah, 
<laughs> there's there's the other element I was looking at too because I I kind of did my initial my initial list of movies that I consider to be heist movies and some of them are like the process of the heist I guess that we are in on as an audience but then there's also some that we're kind of like learning as we go like we're just dropped into the heist did you have a yeah. a preference when you were looking at your uh, putting together your list uh well. Now that you bring that up, that that makes a lot of sense because there there's one in particular where it's like we're following the one that I that I'm going to talk about yeah. that we're kind of following it all throughout the process. There's another one, um, the one that's like my eventual pick is one that's it's very interesting because um, of how many twists and turns that it takes. So it's like you're you're okay. not really um, it kind of kept me off guard. Um, and uh obviously I'll I'll get to it when we get oh, to sure. it. Um it's one of those uh, so yeah, I, I guess I wasn't really looking for a specific, you know, it must be A to A to Z this way, but um mm-hmm. there there is because maybe you know, heist is probably one of the the old oldest genres of, of film if you go probably all the way back to like the great train robbery. You right. Know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just uh, maybe the the best example of one of the first. And um, you can only tell a story so many times, but there are, uh, you know, new ways to add different spins to it and, and twists and turns to, to make it unique. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's why, like, I'm kind of myself and probably in, in yourself and so many other people are just kind of drawn to these movies because, you know, it may be the oceans movies kind of, uh, the the modern ocean movies made made them popular again, but yeah. it seems like they were really popular back in the you know fifties and sixties. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned the Great Train Robbery because I did I didn't have that on my list, but I was thinking as we usually do if we're, if we're looking at a specific genre on the show, like how far back does this go? Because yeah. um, you know genres were started at certain points in time, but you're like, yeah, it goes all the way back to basically the start of you know narrative <laughs> narrative films. Yes, you got the Great Train Robbery. And then not through that movie, but I was thinking of that movie. I was reading an article, not an article about films, but it was an article about like bank security. Yeah. uh, I guess it mentioned a few films that I was Googling that were (laughs) in the article, which is I don't generally just read about bank security for for fun. But it was mentioning how early bank robbing films influenced how real security was done at banks and how it's evolved to the point where in. In in modern times right now, it's said only 3% of bank robberies are like actually like violent bank robberies where the violence takes place on the property at the bank. More yeah. often than not, it's done with like a slip of paper, which is like a threat kind of, oh, um, what's the Soderbergh one? Out of sight. Out of sight, yeah. just like walks in right away and just, you know, <laughs> yep. tries to do the quick little bank robbery. But as consumers, when you go into a bank, we need to see maybe a security guard. We need to see cameras everywhere. We need like all the stuff that isn't actually ended up being helpful in uh, solving bank robberies. It's yeah. more like the detective work of like finding them, you know, once they've left the building or whatever, but also the fact that bank robberies really aren't, aren't that high in numbers anymore because like y- you can't really get away with it anymore. So it's almost like you don't even need to have all the security theater at the banks anymore, but it's there yeah. because of this long line of how movies have, kind of influenced how real security does because we're worried about this type of robbery. Like that's fictional though. They made that up. <laughs> kind of thing. Yes. Uh, there was a, a rule. This goes back to film world. Then in the, the production code, the Hayes code, when it was uh, still around started in the late thirties, 
there was a rule about you couldn't show safe cracking in movies, <laughs> which I always find hilarious because they were worried it was like a how-to manual. If we show them how to do it, then they'll go do it in, in real life. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that's one of those like that's really fed into the uh, the real security that is still around today because there was still a worry from from back then. But I, I love the idea that they were just like, oh, no, you can't show safe cracking. People will go do that then. <laughs> They'll start robbing and we'll have all these heists. But yeah. Although I don't know how strict that rule was because I'm picturing a bunch of Westerns now. Don't They almost always involve like some sort of. Yeah. Blowing open a safe or. Yeah. You know, or I need $50,000 here. And yeah. Undisclosed location. And- right. <laughs> <laughs> well, how far uh, how far back did you go? Did you get in? Uh, so here so yeah they um i guess you want should i just jump into um oh yeah the, uh, yeah. the one of the um honorable mentions here uh so mine uh my first one goes back to 1956 okay it is one of the early films of the probably one of our greatest directors of all time um stanley kubrick uh in the killing um and the killing is uh, basically there is kind of like this trope in heist films that usually there is a, a, a gentleman or, or female who is really good at the heist game mm-hmm. and wants to get out, uh, or wants to do one last score oh, yes. to, uh, <laughs> you know, ride off into the sunset so he can, uh, in, you know, in the case of this film, our, uh, our, uh, leads uh, Safecracker, played by Sterling Hay- Hayden, really great kind of cool performance. Uh, you know, wants to get um, you know settle down and get married, but then there becomes this opportunity at a racetrack. Um, the way how it it you're kind of along the steps, like you are, you're introduced to the team. They have this. There's this really great scene where they're all in a room explaining it and you know everybody's smoking and it's shot in black and white so it's like uh just the way how it's shot is so great and it you know stanley kubrick up to this point you know had to he had released like another film called killer's kiss and there's another movie that he kind of disowned so it's like some of his early work he kind of thinks of as like uh I, I think I've seen a quote where he calls his early work like you know the work of a of a talented amateur and then okay. it wasn't until later when he really came into his own and obviously because of him being kind of long documented that he's a perfectionist you know so sometimes was mm-hmm. tinkering with movies up until like a few days before they were released such as the case with uh eyes wide shut even though he he passed away he probably would have still been tinkering oh yeah <laughs> with it. um which some people still consider eyes wide shut to be a unfinished movie actually um which that you know there's all these conspiracy i i just read a conspiracy that he was murdered because of that movie uh oh, yeah well <laughs> um by by like people who go to like mass uh orgies or something right right you but, know uh, illuminati you got to take him out because yeah. secrets. <laughs> but anyway uh this is a really fun movie uh yeah. it's quick it you know it's like 80 something minutes and um i it's also a heavy inspiration for the dark knight uh because they start to wear these masks that look like clowns and oh yeah uh, so you know the very beginning of the dark knights uh you know that bank heist at the beginning which could be a a pick of all of its own but um you know it, it just it shows how heavily inspirational that movie is 
and just yeah i mean you can just tell the talent popping off the screen yeah stanley kubrick so then the next film that he did i think was paths of glory you know which really kind of put him in that that new like put his stamp on everything but this i think really jump-started his career do you know uh was it a hit when it came out the killing uh let's see looking it was one of those like looking back at it, it now it was a like, low like, budget movie yeah. uh three like a three hundred thousand dollar three hundred twenty thousand dollar budget okay I don't really see anything about the let's see okay it did perform poorly at the box office oh what okay interesting yeah without a proper release yeah so i mean obviously it's been found and appreciated now i'm just always curious like in the moment was it one of those that like people caught on to because it's you know it's a thrilling like i said it's a quick breezy 80 minutes uh it's a thrilling uh heist movie yeah very likable characters yeah kind of rooting for them um but yeah it's uh you can find it on criterion has it um so they have that film and you can have killer's kiss in the it's in the same um like killer's kiss is actually a um a special feature which like that's only about an hour or so okay um but that's also a pretty damn good movie yeah Uh, recently our beloved cinematech i mean this was a couple years ago but they did the uh early Early, yeah 35 and it was a that was awesome i was there i think pretty much every week (laughs) (laughs) yeah i missed the killer's kiss when i still haven't seen that one but um yeah nice um i was gonna let me do a different one, different honorable mention, because this one also involves robbing the money, the money counting room at a racetrack, <laughs> oddly, <laughs> oddly enough. But this one is robbing the money, the money counting room at a racetrack, but uh, for cars, because we're jumping all the way to 2017. Interesting. Uh, and that is uh, Logan Lucky. Yeah, yes. From uh, from Soderbergh. We already kind of referenced a little bit. Now, I was looking back at Soderbergh's career and I, I'm a. I'm a Soderbergh fan, but I'm also not a completist because the guy, even in retirement right now, is still working a lot, <laughs> making content, <laughs> and content and content. This was the first I think this was the first time he came out of retirement to direct something because he had announced retirement. He did behind, behind the Candelabra and then he came out of retirement this time to do Logan Lucky, which is uh, I guess it's really like heist comedy. Yeah, in this particular case, um, but it's. It's a whole lot of fun, but it's also at a point in his career where, like you said, he's already done the Oceans 11, probably maybe 12 and 13. He's done at least a couple of them at this yeah. point. And like you said, whether that kind of resurrected the the heist genre, but also via a remake of a classic heist uh, yes. movie, which is kind of interesting. But at this point in his career in 2017, Soderbergh had like that stable of A-list actors who like working with him, who if he can entice into a project, you're like, well, you got yourself you got yourself a hit just cause you know, yeah. the stacked cast you've got here, uh, Channing Tatum, Adam driver, Riley Keough, Daniel Craig, Katie Holmes, Catherine Watterson. Uh, I remember Dwight Yoakam popping up for yeah. whatever reason. And, and he's yeah. in my head, Hillary Swank's in there. Um, it's just, it's a crazy cast, but, um, the, the title of the film refers to like this, this like, you know, family curse basically that, you know, they're not, not lucky at all. <laughs> Um, so it's kind of an ironically named, but you have Adam Driver and Channing Tatum playing brothers who are robbing um, some famous speedway whose name I'm drawing a blank on right now. But obviously, I'm not a race car fan during the uh, Coca-Cola, like 500 or 600 race. And 
I like this one for a number of reasons. It's fun. It's almost two hours long, but it moves real quick. Because Soderbergh, yes. uh, I think, is a kind of a one of those masters of pacing, or a certain type of pacing, I should say. Well, no, he did that Solaris remake, and that was pretty Tarkovsky-esque in its pacing. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, in a heist film, you don't necessarily want, you know, a nice slow drawl kind of tone to it. This one is like, it, it moves quick. It's pretty funny. The fun part here, I guess you get to see Daniel Craig doing a really kind of Southern fried accent, which is yes. weird in my ear at first, but I settled into it. And he is just having some fun uh, with this role here. But it's a process heist. Like we were discussing yeah. the different types. This one, you see and hear what the plan is as they're doing it. And then it kind of snowballs into your watching the plan as it's being sort of half explained. It's yeah. a really interesting thing. But as it happens, you realize we're not just hearing the plans as like a how to. We're kind of just getting the bullet points and we're seeing other things happen than from what was the plan. So you're like, oh, they're kind of improvising as we go. But then we get a kind of a twist ending, then another twist and another little reveal. And then we kind of realize by the end, oh, I don't think we've gotten all of the parts of this plan. <laughs> and it gives you one of those great, like by the time he builds to the ending, not like the very final scene, but more or less like as we're seeing everything wrap up at the end, we, we get that, oh, shit, no way kind of feeling, even though we thought we were in on the heist the whole time. And I thought that's yeah. a really great way to structure your story that kind of leaves you with that feeling even though you were kind of quote-unquote in on the heist throughout the whole movie if that makes sense i'm trying to be cryptic so oh. i don't spoil anything no that makes perfect sense okay no i um i haven't seen it since um i saw it in theaters but i remember uh, my wife and i just really enjoyed it it just because of how um the humor becomes very fast you know and it, it's somewhat dry but but you're right. Like when Daniel Craig comes on the screen, kind of lights it up. And yeah, it, it's one like you're kind of like, you know, each scene just gets better and better. At, yeah. With film. It's just, yeah, it, it's such like a, it's like a gem and it's like, maybe it's kind of falls in that, like, it's kind of hard to, well, I'm sure it's out there on streaming, but it like <laughs> kind of came in a, a flash and then it like was just on the streaming and then you know, maybe in a vortex, but <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, um, as of this recording, it is on canopy. So that's for oh, okay. Blackberry card. If you have it. Yeah. But it, it's, um, because he came out of retirement and then I think, um, it's a little fuzzy. Cause I remember reading this at the time. I think it was one of those he had, and I Soderbergh had this idea for di different distribution models of some sort. So they pre-sold like the foreign release rights for the movie and that paid for the production interesting okay. or something so like they only had to make like 10 million in the theaters in america for it to be like oh this is successful or or whatever it was but i think it's also the benefit of once you have that stable of actors like i don't know what in 2017 you know basically you've got james bond you've got adam driver channing tatum like these are actors that could command a certain paycheck i don't know that they're commanding that paycheck to go like do a quick movie with soderbergh who again on this case is like he's the producer he's the um he's the dp he's the editor he's the director like it's one of those like he's the whole crew more or less yeah. when he's in there making something but and i think part of it is because of the genre you can tell i think on screen that all of the actors are just having a blast yes like doing this one it's one of those where as serious and as great as all these actors can be at other times and i think they're also very very good in this movie 
it's just like we're watching a bunch of people have a lot like the oceans movies he has that that Soderbergh has that tone where like it's a bunch of actors you like and they're just kind of having some fun here yeah and i'm sure just the way how knowing how but movie budgets worked uh typically that yeah. i'm sure some of these people they're just working for scale you know they're not like not everybody's getting probably a huge huge payday right but when you get the prospect of working with all these people at the same time and like you, you can say you work with Soderbergh. I mean, that's just right. like, yeah, <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like, it's kind of hard to say no. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's also a smart enough script, which um, it, it plays with the conventions we were just talking about within heist films while being a heist film and having the totally satisfying ending of, you know, just like, Oh shit. Okay. That's what was going. And then it also, it makes you want to watch it again because there once it's fully revealed what's going on you kind of want to look for those little little (laughs) that may or may not be there if you do a a rewatch but um, yeah yeah that's a solid one so what else have you got mike so the other one i have um is it came out a year later um and it's from 2018 called american animals uh so this is a movie directed by bart layton um and this is a really fun heist movie um where it's kind of told in it's told narratively but also there's these documentary elements so Mm -hmm. sometimes the the characters are breaking the fourth wall um when uh discussing uh certain aspects and this is a case where and i don't know if it's necessarily a spoiler or not Hopefully not, but um, where almost everything that is planned goes horribly. Uh, (laughs) uh, It's nothing is really uh, well executed, but it's essentially the story of these young men. And one of them is Barry Keoghan, who has been in a lot of stuff lately. He just came out in the movie uh, Saltburn and uh, nominated last year for Banshees of Inishirin. Um, so this, it's basically, they're, they're trying to steal a book and it's based on a true story that happened in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, they want to have like a rare first edition of John James's birds of uh, Audubon's birds of America. So they, they line up these people who want to purchase this, uh, because they think they can easily persuade the librarian who is in charge of it. Um, and then, you know, almost everything proceeds to get pretty, pretty terribly (laughs) wrong, but it's, it's a very entertaining movie. Um, And uh, I, I think um, it was one of those movies that I distinctly remember. um, I was a a movie pass owner. Uh, You know, my my wife and I had the movie pass card and it's, it came at a time where not too long into the, the tenure of movie pass where they became a distributor of certain films so it's like when you open up the app american animals was everywhere on the apps so it was just like okay it's free with my movie pass card let's go see it and (laughs) it it actually was good but it's one of those movies that it is now it is streaming right now on amazon prime but um i just sometimes the way how movie rights work uh both companies that put it out the orchard um you know oh, that, r.i.p yeah uh, yeah that went <laughs> belly up 
and then movie pass is back but i don't trust it uh (laughs) unfortunately so we're not going to get any movie pass sponsorship i don't think Uh, uh, they wouldn't last long anyway that's fine so (laughs) but uh but yeah it's one of those things where uh, thankfully for the case i mean where a lot of times i'm sometimes might sound negative towards streaming um I think this is a good thing where a streaming can kind of coddle it like a baby and make sure that it doesn't like fall to obscurity. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, this is where like the ensemble really works. And uh, I also think it doesn't hurt to have and Dowd in the a supporting role, like and Dowd really oh, yeah. just helps elevate a, a lot yeah. of <laughs> things uh, like just recently rewatching her in hereditary. I was just like, man, like and out oh, just yeah. really, brings uh brings it gravitas <laughs> She's the librarian in this one right yes the, yes yeah. oh yeah 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 yes i this one oh i'd highly recommend this one too it didn't even enter my mind somehow when we were putting this list together so great pull um i saw this one at our beloved uh film festival here in cleveland yeah when it played and so it was one of those like i it was like it fit in the time slot and I heard it was like a documentary slash fiction hybrid. So I was like, Oh, this sounds interesting. So like I went in about as blind as you could be and <laughs> yeah. with the crowd, it played like it played great. Yeah. Um, and people were clearly like looking stuff up as soon as it was on. like, wait, wait, so was that real? What, what was it? <laughs> yeah. What's going on? It's such yeah. a great blend, but also um, I don't think it is a spoiler. If you watch the trailer for it, um, I figure if it's in the trailer, it's, it's mostly safe territory to discuss. But I feel like in the trailer for it, even it's talks about how like you can see it's all falling apart. And it's basically like, what if kids who don't really don't really know what they're doing, maybe educated, educated in quotes on heist movies themselves. So not 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 the best bit of research. Yes. I'm trying to pull off a heist. And you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember if I'm, I, I could be just like making this up, but like they might have been inspired by the Oceans movies. But I, I could be completely wrong. I mean, it kind of has that feel yeah it's been a minute since i watched it now but it it is again not as overtly comic the way logan lucky is but it's comedy elements to it where like it's you're going to be laughing a lot watching this one and just kind of rolling your eyes like oh my god but (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's it's a really interesting kind of hybrid approach to telling it too which i think is kind of a good good twist on on the heist movie for you know by the time you get to 2018 it's kind of one of those like you could do a standard heist movie but Adding in a little bit of a twist or novelty to it really helps, too, because we've all seen a lot of heist movies by now. Absolutely. Well, what else do you have? So my last honorable mention is very current. Uh, It's from 2023. Uh, As of right now, it is the highest grossing uh, film in India of 2023, which I can't imagine it's going to get beaten in the next month. (laughs) But um, so it's called uh, Jawan or Jawan, J-A-W-A-N. It is a uh, Hindi language action thriller uh, from the director Atlee, A-T-L-E-E. Um, I think that's like the the public persona. I'm not sure what his, his yeah. full, full full name is, but that's how it's, it's billed on there. Um, it's his first Hindi language film, and I'm not that well versed in like the divisions within Indian cinema. So like it's not, you know, like this guy has done a lot of um, Tamil language films. That were features, and he's done sports dramas and action thrillers and a rom com, things like that. But so this is his first Hindi language uh, action or just film in general. But it's a it's an action thriller, and this one I picked because it's actually a series of heists that tie together that 
you know, are they feel a little unrelated as the film goes on, but they obviously do tie together because it's all, you know, done in one movie. Um, the description on Letterboxd uh, says that it's an emotional journey of a prison warden driven by a personal vendetta uh, while keeping up a promise he made years ago, recruits inmates from the women's prison that he's a warden at to be his crew. <laughs> which is a little bit of a spoiler because you don't know that particular element until after the first heist happens. Yeah. Uh, but we're also talking um, about a hundred and like 70 minute movie. So uh, I, I, the teaser I wanted to mention is actually the first heist. And it, I'm not going to spoil the first heist necessarily, but there's a whole, there's so much plot here. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's so much plot. It moves really, really fast. And, um, the the heist element here is that there's like uh there's a Robin Hood vibe to it. Like yeah. these heists aren't for personal wealth, they're for I'm proving a point and I want a certain amount of retribution for a very specific thing. So there's a bunch of different heists, but the first one is a train robbery that basically if you took the taking of Pelham one, two, three, the good one from seventy four, not the not the remake with John Travolta. Um, if you took that and made it like a thirty minute scene, that's what we get yeah. in, in the in the start here. And what they're doing is they're holding a train hostage until they can talk to, um, I think it's like the agriculture, the minister of agriculture for India. And yeah. then they want a certain amount of money. The These robbers do. And so it seems like it's for personal gain. But what it turns out is um, what they are doing is they're getting the money from the minister of agriculture. Actually, I think it ends up being like an some some arms dealer or gangster fronts the money that the the robbers want because his daughter's on the train. And what they do is they distribute that money out to, I think it's like 500,000 impoverished farmers or something like that, going out to the people uh, because they're being screwed over by the Ministry of Agriculture. So they're not doing it because they want the money. They're doing it because they want to right a social wrong. And you're like, oh, this is an interesting way to uh, see this. And then after that heist, you see them all like return to prison. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and then it slowly gets revealed uh, what's really going on. So that's the first heist. But there's multiple heists going on throughout the movie to prove um, a point of the ills of of Indian society as a whole, et cetera, et cetera. And there must be, I want to say conservatively four or five twists in the last 30 minutes of the movie. We're like, what, what? And there are all these reveals. It's almost comical by the end, but it is so much fun. Um, you referenced the fast movies earlier and, uh, and to, I'm not fully caught up on that series, but my version of, uh, of that is Indian action films that I can go see. Cause our local, uh, a local chain here shows a lot of Indian films and yes. see some of these on the big screen. Like they just, it's just, uh, it's a movie industry that really knows how to do spectacle um, and especially action. But I think because there's such a heavy emphasis on dance and performance and choreography within uh, Indian films in general, that I think that translates really well to really well-directed action sequences, um, which is yeah. what a ton of, and unfortunately only a couple of musical numbers, but I could use more. <laughs> this was what I, I almost saw it just because there's a YouTube channel that I like uh, mm -hmm. this young, kind of a young woman, but like she loved like basically her love of RRR has now she has been on this journey to see almost every Indian film that, that she can. And she references this, she calls it a five-star banger, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, much younger than me, but uh, I just find her, her channel very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, this one I definitely has that RRR vibe and that there's like a real strong social conscience to this one. 
And it is trying to talk about societal ills and some political problems within the context of a, you know, massively entertaining, big budget kind of action, a spectacle <laughs> uh, thing. I don't think it comes quite to RRR levels, but if you did enjoy RRR, then I would say, yeah, um, Joanne is definitely one you should put on your list. And I think it already is on Netflix. Like it went okay. from, it right to Netflix real quick, but maybe I'll have to get Netflix again. Uh, ah. <laughs> I do wish I would have uh, had a little bit more of an audience seeing Joanne like on the big screen. Uh, the folks over there, like there were gasps and, you know, they were clapping and stuff like that. But I've seen other like RRR when I saw that one the first time in the theater, um, it was a yeah. boisterous crowd and like people were really, really into it. And it was like this just it amped it up just to that perfect level of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. No, that's still that's the one that I I would love to own on Blu-ray. But um, I actually emailed the American distributor and to put it, I actually, I was a, I was surprised to get a response back. Uh, but the guy was kind of funny in a self-deprecating way. And he's like, we're desperately trying to make that work, but the rights are a, a mess. mess. Yeah. As said. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. When it, it, it same with RR, but also with Joan, when you see it, uh, the, the, the number of, um, company credits and every producer has their own logo like uh, the number of stuff before the movie gets yeah. going like oh god what a mess of untangling all these entities of yeah i mean owner partial ownership to it yeah and it's like how netflix is able to navigate those waters i mean i guess kudos to them that they're helping to bring them to american audiences but um, that's true um but they're sometimes they're like showing it in the wrong aspect ratio and they're sometimes they're putting the different it's like instead of being hindi or, or it's hindi instead of tele, tele you know stuff like, like yeah I'm, they do have on rr but on netflix you can choose i think there's a multi different language tracks the so oh, okay. one so then i was like well shit let me look up where it came from so because i wanted to watch you know go back and watch a few scenes in specific once it was streaming and um was like okay wait what what region made it okay can let me find that <laughs> like yeah i actually it doesn't really matter to me i can't understand that language but i was like sure i, I want to hear it in like the way it was you know kind of uh intended i guess too maybe netflix is just big enough that you know if you're gonna have a streaming deal like oh shit netflix is interested yeah yeah what do you what do you need so yeah they can exactly kind of well like if you're wanting to see rrr on netflix when they do the not to not to it's nacho nacho if you don't hit the right uh language yes so it just sounds weird it doesn't roll off yeah that <laughs> as well it <laughs> sounds like the weird al version of that song that would get yes made. yeah oh that's wild uh, <laughs> All right, Mike, we are on to our main picks for yes. films. What, are, what have you got? So this one, it's going to sound like a cheat because it is, um, the title is simply Heist. Uh, but <laughs> but um, this is uh, from 2001. Hey, buddy, you forgot your change. Makes the world go around. You said gold. Some people say love. Yeah, they're right, too. It is love. Love of gold. Cut him off. I would say it's his road game. Nobody gets the goods like you, Joe. Anybody can get the goods. The hard part's getting away. Plan a good enough getaway, you could steal Abbott's Field. Abbott's Field's gone. What did I tell you? 
We got the go-ahead. We got a firm date on a Swiss thing. He's broke his tire and cops are looking for him. I gotta get out of town. I gotta go. I give you the money now and you're gone. I bankroll this job on your say-so. Hey, what do you want from me? I want you to do the other thing. Walk away from it. You can't run. You know they'll hunt you down. Joe! I gotta fight it out. Where are you going with this? I'm gonna stand this thing on his head. The plan has changed. I need you to suit up. Good plan. How'd you figure it out? Go, go, go. Oh, I tried to imagine a fellow smarter than myself. And then I tried to think, what would he do? We got your gold. Where's the gold? What was the deal? Well, the deal was we get away with the gold. And then what? We slip away. You slip away? Take the money, cruise down some tropic eye. You think you're gonna just sail away? I was gonna make you rich, and you've just become more trouble than you're worth. Well, you want to tell me what made you a criminal? What made you a criminal? Nothing made me a criminal. I am a criminal. I hate to do anything as dramatic as count to three. But one, two, three. Yeah, she's the go-getter. I'm the go-getter. You tell me what you want me to go get. Ain't you a piece of work. Is that a question? She could talk her way out of a sunburn. Gene Hackman, Danny DeVito, Delroy Lindo, Sam Rockwell, Rebecca Pigeon, and Ricky Jay. Is it going to be cool? He's so cool when he goes to bed, sheep count him. In a film written and directed by David Mamet. Everybody needs money. That's why they call it money. Heist. I guess you... That David Mamet's heist, I guess you could uh, say. Uh, you know, like... I don't know if David Mamet's the type who puts his name above things like, you know, uh, certain directors. Sure. <laughs> um, but uh, this one, much like The Killing, uh, has our, um, you know, basically our elder statesman uh, robber mm-hmm. uh, who is, uh, named Joe Moore, played by, played greatly, I think, by Gene Hackman um leads a you know kind of a ragtag crew that in, um includes the great uh Delroy Lindo uh also Ricky J uh who is uh yeah I guess better known as I mean he was a comedian or I'm sorry like a uh magician slash comedian mm-hmm. um but um you know he was used often by Paul Thomas Anderson and uh, certain directors just because of his, I don't like, I, I just like, I just surmise like this guy's like awesome, like behind the scenes. So that's why he like showed up with so many different uh, filmmakers, but he just wanted um, to hang out on the set with. So everybody, yes, well, he's got a great yes. voice. Like he's the, uh, the narrator, the opening to Magnolia, I think. Yes. And then, yes. yeah. And he's got it. He's just good. Like, like, uh, and out you were saying, like you see Ricky J pop up, he may not open your movie and be your lead, but once he's there, you're like, Oh yeah. 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 Like solid. as a quick aside, he was the, he had a couple different HBO specials where he showed off some of his, like he was great with uh, playing cards and doing like magic tricks with those. Um, oh, he had a couple yeah. HBO specials uh, back in the day. So it was I'll, just like. I'll look that up because I know he's known as a magician or PTA would always reference like that he was a magician, but I've never yes. actually looked up any of his magic. Yeah. No, it like those HBO, they're like an hour, but they like fly by. They're mm-hmm. they're really entertaining. Nice. Uh, but anyway, this is uh, so, you know, when the film starts, um, 
they uh, they perform a, a heist and um, you know it's successful. And Gene Hackman decides like because now he has this like younger wife um, who's uh, played by somebody named Rebecca Pigeon. And like she, when I was watching it, she looks familiar. Um, she's actually David Mamet's wife, so it kind of makes sense. But um, she doesn't appear in a lot of films. Uh, well, I think she's in mostly his movies. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, so he's going to finally just kind of sail off. He's he's kind of over it. And um, the the main baddie of the film is played by Danny DeVito. And uh, they want he wants him to to he's like, all right you can you can ride off into the sunset but you need to do this one last job for me um and it's one of those things where uh you know how sometimes like maybe maybe because it's like the holidays are coming up sometimes there are plans made for you by you know spouse or family but Mm -hmm. you're like the last to know about it Uh, (laughs) it's like it's kind of the way how danny devito presents this to uh (laughs) to gene hackman's character just like yeah 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 you can have your fun but you know you just got to pull off this one last job for me Mm -hmm. and he like he basically says no um but then gets kind of conned into it and also forced to bring in his nephew who um is one of my favorite character actors at the moment sam rockwell um oh yeah kind of an earlier role for him but he he plays a like a sleaze ball like you you just see like <laughs> right away when he comes on the screen but his name's jimmy silk in the movie um so this is one that um i i did enjoy it um i didn't i didn't absolutely love it but just because there's like certain things that keep you at arm's reach i want to say um but it it has a lot of twists and turns yeah and like certain people are good and then some people are bad and then you know the one um and i guess it's not a big spoiler but like the the Fran character who plays Gene Hackman's wife is she comes into play in some of these twists and turns. You're not really sure like where her allegiances lie until the very end of the film. Um, but you know, I think with David Mamet, what he's best known for is his dialogue, and you know, the dialogue cracks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh there's a lot of like interesting uh, it, because also he said it in Boston. So there's like a lot of uh, kind of just, uh, you know, almost, well, this like predates the departed, but you know, it's kind of like how they talk in the party, like everything, fuck this, fuck that. Fuck, oh you know? yeah. Yeah. It's a very like um, very kind of profanity filled. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, right. But, uh, but no, I, I did eventually, I think the, what the eventual heist becomes and what what ends up happening with the what they want from this heist mm-hmm. it becomes kind of clever because it's not really revealed until the very last shot until what what happens to everything and so yeah i i'm really leaning on spoiler <laughs> uh, i don't want to spoil it here right but, but yes but uh i will just say at least one of the characters leaves with a happy ending. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but this one, 
it was pretty fun. And um, I, uh, I remember it coming out, but I, you know, it's just one you don't really hear about um you know now that it's like over 20 years old or so yeah but uh but i know rob roger ebert quite liked it so i think that's why it was always kind of on my radar because back in like back in the day when roger ebert's reviews would come out on friday yep he gave like a three and a half or four stars i was like okay immediately putting that down gotta find it (laughs) yes yes i remember i only saw this one the one time but i do I do remember liking it a lot because the cast is just a who's who of actors I enjoy. Yes. And I I remember talking about it with a buddy after we saw it. Uh, it was on home video when we saw it. And we were saying how, and this is again 2001. I, I, I'm not that familiar with Mamet's filmography as far as it goes from there. But we were saying how it felt like Mamet was trying to do like a Michael Mann kind of movie. Yes. Style movie, but with the Mamet dialogue. Yeah, so we were like, wait a minute, maybe Mike, maybe Mamet is better at like the scripts phase and he needs to hand it off to like a Frankenheimer or yes. a, a different director to kind of handle maybe the visuals of it a little smoother. So I was like, if Michael Mann would ever just direct a Mamet script, I was like, that'd be an interesting combination. Yeah, he probably saw Heat a couple times. and uh, Right, right. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but it's like, it's a solid entry into the heist film genre. Um, but also Mamet loves kind of puzzle scripts i guess like yeah like the spanish prisoner like kind of con artist he loves that kind of the cd you know underbelly of society type characters and you know i remember like this is a really solid entry into that 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 type of uh style of story i think yeah i mean like i said i i wasn't as crazy about it as say ebert was (laughs) but um but i do think now looking back that you know, we don't really, I think Gene Hackman has all essentially um, has retired. So mm-hmm. um, when you get some of those latter day Gene Hackman per- performances, it's, yeah. you know, you kind of embrace it just because I think sometimes like he would have been perfect for some of the films that have come out lately, you know, even in, in a small part. But, oh, yeah. You know, I think there's certain actors when they they take a stance that this is I'm retired and that's it. It's like I think everybody wants Jack Nicholson to do one last, you know, on screen performance, but he's pretty much been you know resigned to the fact yeah. that you know I'm I'm done. Yeah. You know, so. And one thing when you get to with with Hackman, and I'm I can't spoil because I also honestly don't remember the ending of this movie <laughs> off the top yeah. of my head. But when you have Hackman show up on screen and he's your lead, you know, thief in a movie called Heist, I could see him just as easily being revealed as the mastermind bad guy by the end. And I could just as easily see him being the mastermind good guy by the end. He's not inherently going to be one thing or another. Like, I kind of am going to just be cheering for him no matter what he's doing. And I could Absolutely. see him go evil and I could see him go kind of maybe more altruistic with his, you know, final heist uh, sort of storyline. Yeah. No, it it was definitely uh, you know I think it was is worth the rental. It's not really streaming, but uh, you can re- easily rent it on Apple or YouTube is where I rented nice. it. All. Yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry. It's on Pluto TV, but Pluto is a free streaming service. But there are a considerable amount of ads, and you cannot. Like there's no skipping through the ads. You have no idea how long the ads are. So sometimes right. it can be a five to six, six minute break, um, yeah. ad break pretty much every 10 minutes. 
So, so yeah, that got annoying quick. That so that I, does, yeah. Resorted to renting. <laughs> <laughs> the film I picked to wait is is Heist. I know um, Mamet has some of his movies set in New York City, but I know doesn't he do like Baltimore or Boston? Yes, Boston. Yeah, well. Where is, where is Heist set? Do you remember Boston? Boston. Okay, yeah. it's like or it's like. Um, you know, somewhere in Massachusetts, but it's uh, it's definitely in that New England where he okay. likes said a lot of said a lot of his stuff. Okay, then never mind. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> mine. Uh, my pick is uh, actually my my earliest film. I went back to 1972, and the film is Across 110th Street. No, no, for God's sake! When you steal $300,000 of the mob's money and kill two cops in the process, everybody is after you. They, they took our bank in Harlem for over $300,000. Everybody, like Detective Captain Frank Matelli. The way I work gets results. I'm going to blow the whistle on you, is that it? You want my job, don't you? Go back to 1940! When you steal $300,000 of the mob's money, that's not robbery. That's suicide. Uh, it's a film directed by Barry Shear, who I, I'm not terribly familiar with his filmography other than I've seen an, an, a movie sure. from the 60s called Wild in the Streets, which I it's it's pretty it's crazy, but it's um, not necessarily very, very good at all. The I guess sort of the the selling point to this one to me is you get to see a grimy, dirty early seventies, New York city. Cause it's like shot on location. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, here's a brick building where there's like this mob deals going down and next to it is just a, you know, pile of bricks that used to be a bit like, it's just that like grimy, like is New York city ever going to be clean, cleaned up, uh, you know, and clean again. Um, I don't know, just graffiti everywhere. It, it dabbles kind of in black exploitation, exploitation film territory a little bit. Um, but what I like about across 110th street is that it's actually the heist is the opening mm. and then you see the fallout from the heist. Yeah. This is like a sub sub genres or, you know, talk about fractured genres, every episode of how, whatever we pick, there's like all these little options. <laughs> yeah. So this is one where we're not, we see the heist at the beginning and no one's got, um, uh, no one's disguising their faces. There's no clown masks on or anything. It's just, they come in and what happens is uh, it's, it's even called this in the description, you know, a daring robbery, $300,000 is taken from the Italian mob. Uh, several mafios, mafiosos, mafiosi um, are killed and um, two cops are as well. So what ends up happening is there's this heist. It's the opening. And now you have, you know, some top tier mobsters are killed and some cops are killed. So that opens up this whole can of worms of who's actually going to be going after the robbers. So now you yeah. have like, the underground criminal economy, like they want their revenge and their money back. And then, you know, now there's like, cops that are exposed as being in bed with the mob so then like the institution <laughs> of police in the in in new york city is like we gotta figure out who caught these folks so that is thrilling i think enough of an idea to kind of like send a very propulsive citywide manhunt in grimy dirty 1972 new york city but who's leading the manhunt from the cops is yafet koto and anthony quinn oh wow and 
it sounds like a cliche, but they don't necessarily see eye to eye on how to police. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Quinn is doing the um, actually maybe it's a template for what would be lethal weapon in the long run. Like it's mismatched cops, not necessarily that he's suicidal, but Anthony Quinn is like, I'll bash heads together and I'll figure out who did this. Like, well, and Yafet Code is constantly like, dude, go back to the fucking 40s, man. That's not how we do police work anymore. <laughs> and it's wild to see the police in this one because it's just like rampant police brutality. And Anthony Quinn is just like the guy who's doing that. And Yafet Kodo, he's kind of pushed to the edges a little bit, but he's also playing with uh, racial dynamics within the hierarchy of um, the upper levels of the police department, not just like beat cops and stuff. So he knows how the commissioner is going to react. He knows that this person is going to react. So it flies across this ensemble spread of like the criminal underworld, like kind of the the corrupt nature of the police force, like all of this stuff. But then these two cops who at their heart do actually want to solve this case and figure out like what happened here. <clears throat> but it gives you kind of just like this big swath of, you know, New York city and corruption and policing in the early 1970s um, in the fallout of this awesome heist. I don't even know if it's a heist gone wrong. It seems like, I mean, it did go wrong. They wanted to rob this, this, the the opening scene, they do wanted to rob the mob, but I, I don't, I don't think the intent was like, let's kill everybody. Yeah. Um, I think it was more like, let's get this money and, and hightail it out. Although I don't think about it now. I don't know how they would have gotten away with it <laughs> without just killing everybody. <laughs> uh, Cause like they're not, like I said, they're not wearing masks or anything, but so like, I feel like people would eventually figured out who it was, but, and then of course you've got the, um the classic song as well. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, Womax across 110th Street used very effectively as the closing song in Jackie Brown, if anybody remembers that. Um, oh, yes. Final, final bit of music yeah. in that one. No, it's great. And, and it's uh, one where Anthony Quinn also was producer. So it's one of those I feel like he was really really invested in in this particular uh, story and getting this one made. I don't know how much sway Anthony Quinn had at a certain point in his career. Like he's a known entity to me, but I don't, I don't know how much real power he was sure had in Hollywood at the time, but um, he's great. Yafet Kota is great. And you can also sort of see it as inspiration for police procedurals that we would get through the decades as well. Like it's a really interesting, like how the cops work and how investigations um, take place in the aftermath of a of a horrible like heist gone wrong situation. Yeah, I definitely want to check this out. Just looking at the the poster, and it you know it says it's also a technically a black exploitation movie, but you know, yeah, maybe just because it had Anthony Quinn, it wasn't really thrown into that black exploitation like, category. Yeah, yeah. I I would say. It could count as that in a broad definition because it has a lot of tropes from the black exploitation genre, but I think it 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 falls more into general exploitation because it really leans into like the violence and the crime and all 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 the trappings of kind of like the the heist and crime genre. Um also with its language, like you again, you're gonna watch it and hear it with twenty twenty three eyes and ears, and you're like, Oh Jesus, like some of the <laughs> some of the terms here are like, okay, but I feel like it's very authentic to the time period. And like these are like racist Italian characters in New York City in the mob in the nineteen seventies, or you know, uh, you know, a street gang that like they don't care about what what racial yeah. epithets they're throwing around. Um, so it's it's very, yeah, it's very gritty and 
seems to me to be authentic from you know the time period but um it's it's the fallout in this case for the fallout of a heist that didn't go quite according to plan and then how do you how does your heist plan itself also involve getting away or you know heists that as you plan it do you plan for what if it goes wrong here's what we're going to do step one two and three or you know the contingency options that you 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 have with heists which in like yeah. joan that i was just talking about um you see plans fall apart but the contingencies go into place uh in a few in a few spots too so uh kind of an interesting slightly different version of a heist film you're like what if it doesn't go right and then you have to deal with it and the whole city <laughs> criminals and cops are on your tail and looking for you yeah no i i definitely want to i think i want to see that <laughs> no. it's a good one and I, I think it's streaming um i mean i watched my dvd which was in shrink wrap and so <laughs> <laughs> popping up i think it was like on tubi or amazon i think it's 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 easily like rentable if not streamable sure i think so so our official watch challenge picks for heist films are Heist, appropriately titled, from 2001 and Across 110th Street from 1972. Mike, what challenge do we have in front of us for next time? So we thought uh, we would take just a little bit of a winter break, uh, but we might uh, be back before the end of the year to have some kind of uh, holiday theme related episode, but... Please uh, keep uh, keep watch on our social media. We will announce once our, our new episodes are up. Absolutely. And if you'd like to suggest any uh, upcoming topics or genres you'd like us to cover when uh, we're back from break, uh, hit us up on Instagram at Watch Challenge Podcast uh, or Watch Challenge Podcast at gmail.com, all of which are links in the show notes. So if you're not writing it down right now as I speak it, just click on those links in the show notes. <laughs> Until next time, folks, rate, review the show on whatever podcast app you're using, and we'll see you with the next challenge. Bye.